tonight, get your book now, 526 Victory in Jesus, on the first now. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning, then I repented of places and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me. How many of you is glad to be in church on Tuesday night? Amen. You know what? I really, my faith is weak. I thought there won't be nobody there tonight. But you've done good. I'm going to give you an A plus. Amen. I tell you, the Lord's been doing so many things. You're scared not to come. Amen. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. Thank God. Are you glad and rejoice in knowing Christ? Amen. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Welcome our visitors. Let them know how glad we are to have them.
Mr. Main, stand with a word of prayer. Damon Perry, if you would lead us in prayer, please. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Thank you. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing and worship. Page 572, he keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Set of ushers come forward to receive our offering. Let me remind you that everything you give on Wednesday night goes toward the supporting of our Bible conference. And we're just a couple of months away from that, and so looking forward to it. And uh, somebody's phone there, answer it, tell them we're in church there. Amen. Is that yours, Patty? No, that's Tommy. That's Tommy's right there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tell them send us an offering. Tell them we're taking an offering, Tommy. Amen. But, uh, what was I talking about, amen? Yeah, I said it before. I, when, when the phone's ringing the service, just bring them up to me. Let me answer. I'd love to be able to answer a phone on Sunday morning. Hello, uh, this is the preacher. We're in church. You know, where you at? That kind of thing. But, uh, amen. It goes to the Bible conference, and we're just a couple of months away. In fact, here in about two weeks, we'll start sending out our letters of invitation and so I want to encourage you to give and give generously over the next couple of months for the more you give the more we are enabled to do and then let me just say a word or two in, in the offerings for the past couple of Sundays we've been sharing testimonies of different ones that participate in faith and in fact we're going to play the testimonies of Sunday night here in just a few moments and then we'll have some more on Sunday we've had different ones mm -hmm. but I wanted you to see what others are saying those that have gone through faith and uh, what it has meant to them and I say all that because uh, coming up Friday week two weeks be the 13th we have our faith banquet now, I want you to understand what the faith banquet is all about this is for anyone that wants to come this is open to everybody those who went through faith last semester of course they're going to come we're going to be recognizing those who have com completed a semester of faith we'll be honoring them that night and then for many of you that have volunteered to be a part of faith next semester, this is a way for you to uh, be introduced to faith. 
And then maybe someone's come to you and said, I want you to be on my faith team this next semester. And you're a little bit uh, unsure about it. The bank would be a good time for you to come to learn about faith. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe you're interested. You'd like to know more, whatever. It's for anybody that wants to come. You're welcome to come. It is our way of introducing you to faith. And it don't cost you a thing. That's Friday night, uh, July 13th, 7 o'clock. So I hope that many of you, many of you uh, will come because we're looking forward to a wonderful semester. And so watch these testimonies, read them as we share them with you in just a moment. And then another thing, we rejoice what the Lord did for us. Someone has donated us a van, Brother Jerry Sharp has got it for us, got across the streets. Not a new one, it's an older van, but they've donated it to us to sell for whatever we can get for it. And uh, so uh, we're going to sell that. One gives us the highest price, highest bid on it, we'll sell it to you. And we're going to put it in uh, to my airplane fund. And uh, seriously, we'll put it into our building fund. And, but we praise the Lord for that. It's amazing how the Lord, and this is someone who don't even go to our church that donated it. And it's amazing how the Lord just takes care of things in it. Amen? And I praise the Lord for it. So uh, if you're interested in it, cross the street, you can look at it. And again, the one that just makes the highest offer on it there, uh, we'll let you have it. And everything will go into the building fund. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to continue to move through the service honoring the Lord Jesus in everything that goes on. Thank you for what you're doing. We do thank you for setting us free. Speak to us tonight. Give us a burden for our country. In Jesus' name, amen. joy to have Julio Velasquez and his wife with us tonight. They have been a part of our mission family for a number of years, and they're going to come, and Julio's going to take a few moments and talk about the ministry. They're going to sing for us, and let's welcome them to the service tonight. Good to have them with us here on this Tuesday night. Break my heart even more. 
I want your tears in my eyes. I want your love in my heart. Soon we must do our duty. Soon we must reach the lost. Well, it's a real blessing for us to, to be here in this church that is supporting us for 20 years. And uh, thank you for supporting missionaries. Just keep on supporting more missionaries because one missionary went to my country and talked to me about Christ. I am from Peru, and that missionary had love, compassion for me, and I was just living in religion, tradition. And I thought that everything I was doing was okay without knowing the Bible at all, thinking that my good works would save me. But this mission I talked to me open for the first time for me, the word of God. And he said, you need to know the Lord. You need to be saved. And after three years of listening to the word of God and going to the church, finally, I realized that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior, the only Savior, and then I gave my life to be a missionary also. I was saved, and then I gave my life to be a missionary. I was working in uh, Spain for 14 years, hard place, very hard, but nothing impossible for the Lord. Then uh, the Lord moved us to other country. We are in the country of Venezuela, and uh, every place is hard. It's not easy. But we, we have a great Lord, and the Lord is just helping us. We are in the, located in the city of Valencia. There are two million of people in this city. And uh, how many Baptist churches can we find in a city of two million people? Well, there are many churches over there, but uh, I was very surprised that uh, the so-called Christians over there, 70% are charismatics. Pentecostals, hallelujahs, and all this is uh, the perform of miracles and healings and miracles, and there is now the clear presentation of the gospel that people need the Lord. And I'm glad we are there. The name of our church is uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church, which in Spanish is Iglesia Bautista Emmanuel. And we are located in a good place. The place is called uh, Trigal Norte. And uh, we have two works also that we are praying that the Lord will, you know, in the future will come to church. There is a place called uh, Blanquera that uh, we have already uh, somebody from our church that is preaching every Thursday over there. And we are praying that along the way it will come uh, a church. There is another place that uh, we are praying, the city of Huacara, very close to Valencia. Uh, there are people that we know that are saved there. We are praying that along the way the Lord will help us to establish a church over there. I am a, a missionary, church planting missionary, and I am uh, so glad to know the Lord. I am a product of missions, and really thank you for your support. Thank you. It means a lot to us. Many times we, we face a lot of things in the mission field, but then we got new strength, and we realized that you are praying for us. And thank you for uh, helping, uh, helping us in this, in this way. I have my family, my wife, Andrea. Deborah is uh, with the young people right now. And uh, my oldest daughter, Diana, she finished in Crown College, and she is already married just one month, month enjoying. She is just a brand new uh, wife and uh, she married a man that finished in Grand College also. They will be a missionary. So it will be a third generation of, of missionaries, which is wonderful. And um, yes, I will finish. 
Valencia is an expensive city, very hard to find a, a piece of land. Uh, our church is in, uh, in my house, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. We put chairs in the dining room, in the living room, a pulpit, and the piano right on the left, and that is the, our church. That's the way we started, talking to the people, telling them about the Lord and everything. And our third anniversary, we, we had 110. And we couldn't have in my house, so we, when we have to go to a garage, you know, in a place, I have a friend, uh, he says, okay, you can use my garage. Well, finally, after praying for three years, we, we bought a piece of land. We paid $43,000 for that. Uh, our church gave 80% of that amount, and some of two or three supporting churches here help us with that total. Now, we have a church without a building. We have a piece of land, but we have to build a building for the Lord. Well, I say to everybody, right there is the piece of land, and I can see the building. Because God will provide. God will provide. It will cost us $70,000. We have 10% already. And uh, it's amazing how God can help us, and I am very sure that uh, you know, he will continue. I don't want to see that piece of land for 20 years just like that, you know. I know God will provide. I have a one member of my, of my church that said, Pastor, you cannot believe it. In three months, the Mormons, they build a church in three months, right there close to my house. And, uh, you know, in Peru, in Arequipa, it was an earthquake, and the big cathedral was destroyed, and uh, a lot of pieces came on top of big organ of one billion of dollars in the Catholic Church. I said, Lord, I'm here at least three, four years praying that God will, you know, help us. And he's helping us, and he's helping us, and he will do it. So pray for us, and we have a big task to have a Bible Institute because, you know, having a city, two million of people, if I can reach one thousand or two thousand for God's glory, I'm just scratching the surface. So I need to train leaders. I pray that along the way I will report you more news that we have, you know, people being trained and we will come a preacher, you know, and uh, we'll take the, the church and I will move on to other place and I will report you more what God is doing and he is wonderful. And thank you one more time for supporting us and, uh, and praying for us. Thank you. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 33, if you would. I appreciate Brother Velasquez and his family being here tonight. I first met them in the early 80s when I was at Lumpton Drive and have known of their ministry and their family through the years, and, and we're thankful that we're able to support them here. I do thank the Lord for what we're doing for missions. We're doing more than we've ever done in the history of this church, and I've got news for you. We're going to keep on doing as much as we can, amen, and not slowing down there. We've been in on Wednesday nights in our midweek service, a, a study of the tabernacle, but I'm going to do something a little different tonight. Being the 3rd of July and on the anniversary of our Independence Day, I want to talk to you about this country, and I want to give you what I want to simply call how to pray for America. And we want to learn to pray for America, amen? And so I'm going to look at a verse of Scripture, break the verse down, and then I'm going to give you two things at the end tonight about how to pray for America. Would you stand as we honor the public reading of His Word? Psalm 33, notice verse 12. I've preached from this text two or three times over the 15 years I've been here, but I want us to look at it again. Psalm 33 and verse 12. Psalm 33 and verse 12. The Scripture said... Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I look at the first part of verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. And tonight we're going to talk about how to pray for America. How to pray for America. Let's pray. Our Father in Jesus' name, as we gather here tonight, we thank you so much for all that you have done. 
We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in lives. We thank you, Lord, for how you are dealing with us and confronting us and breaking us before you and introducing us to yourself in a marvelous way. For these things we thank you for, and we come to you tonight asking you, Lord, that the hand of God be with us and that you would bless us and bless us indeed. And, Father, you'd enlarge our coast, and, Lord, keep us with an humble heart, realizing that we don't deserve anything that you do, but yet, Lord, you've just been gracious to us, and we thank you for it. Continue to bless and continue to move. We not only thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church, but we want to thank you tonight for our country. And, Lord, tonight help us to learn to pray for our country. And tonight, as we look at the Word of God, just share a few things with us. Lord, help us speak to our hearts. And then, Lord, put these things in our heart to pray for as Americans. Thank you again for our 225 years of independence. In Jesus' name we pray, and for His sake we ask these things. Amen. Again, our Scripture said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I remember a USA weekend poll that was done a couple of years ago, and it asked several questions. It was done around the 4th of July, and they asked several questions, but there was a couple of them that caught my attention. 83% of those that were polled, that is Americans, said that America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth, 83% of them. The other 17%, I think we ought to box up, ship off somewhere else, say amen right there. 83% said America is the greatest nation on the earth. 56% of Americans said that America's greatest days are ahead. And a majority of them, in an overwhelming way, said they would rather live in America than anywhere else. Well, I want to just go on record tonight and say that I would be in that majority that believes that America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I believe that. As I said Sunday morning, America's not without its problems. I love America. I don't love everything about America, but I love America. And I do believe that America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I've, had, I've been blessed, and I know that, and I am very much aware that I've been blessed. And I've had the opportunity of traveling around this world. I've been in 14 different foreign countries. But I promise you one thing. There's just something special and unique about the United States of America. And I thank God for it. I remember a number of years ago, back in, uh, during Reagan's time. And you remember when Reagan and the, uh, the planes bombed Gaddafi in Libya there? Well, I flew over there. I was to be in Italy, in Naples, Italy, in a military church uh, the week right after that. In fact, I think they bombed uh, Gaddafi like on a Monday or a Tuesday or Libya. And then I went in, flew into Rome on a Friday, I believe it was. And I remember going in that day, and I remember the fellow at the counter there telling me that I was only the second American that had come through the airport that day because they were telling Americans not to fly over there, not to travel over there, do all the problems that were going on. But I remember when I came back, I flew from Rome into Brussels, Belgium, and made my connection there coming back into the United States. And I remember as I came back, as we were coming from Belgium, Brussels over, we came through New York City. I'll never forget the uh, pilot uh, saying to everybody, if you look out to your left, you can see the Statue of Liberty. And without any saying anything else, the whole plane erupted. Everybody started cheering, and everybody started clapping their hands. And it was one of those moments that made me proud to be an American. But I am thankful tonight that I'm American, and I thank God for our nation. You thank God for it? Say amen. But look at the text. And I want to just point out three things from the text, and then I'm going to give you two things, two ways to pray for America. Psalm 33 said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now let's dissect that statement for a moment. For one thing, I want you to notice in that text the favor of a nation. The favor of a nation. He talks about blessed is the nation. Blessed is the nation. Put brackets around that statement. Blessed is the nation. You see that word blessed there? It's a word that literally means to be happy. You might render it this way. Oh, how happy is the nation. It is a word that describes a nation that has been blessed in abundance. It is a word that would describe a nation that has prospered. And the result is the people are blessed. They are happy. They are grateful. Oh, how happy is the nation that is, has the Lord as its God. But here is the favor of a nation. Here is a nation that has 
been blessed. One of my favorite preachers of another generation, one of my favorite authors, is a preacher named Hyman Appleman. He was a converted Jew. And he wrote several books, and one of the books that he wrote is entitled America, Pentecost of Nations. America, Pentecost of Nations. And what Dr. Appleman meant in that title was that America, above any other nation, was a nation that had been blessed of the Lord. It is the Pentecost of all nations. Now, God's blessed Israel. That's obvious. The Bible gives us the record of God's blessings on the nation of Israel. But I would say to you that God is equally blessed the United States of America. It is a nation that has been blessed of God. But I think about America, how it's been blessed, I think first, of how we enjoy unlimited blessings. God has blessed us in unlimited ways. There is no way tonight that we could even begin to name the ways we've been blessed of God. There is no way that we can begin to count the blessings of the Lord upon this nation. There is no way that we could number them. You could take a blank sheet of paper and start writing down the things that God has done. And it wouldn't be long that you'd be turning that paper over and writing on the backside. And then you'd be getting another sheet of paper because one after another, God has blessed this country. We have been blessed with unlimited blessings. And I think also how we've been blessed with undeniable blessings. Only a fool or someone that is precious in their ideals and theories would even begin to try to deny that God has not blessed this country. This nation has been blessed of God. It is undeniable in the way that the Lord has blessed America. The favor of nation. Blessed is the nation. But look at the second thing in the text. Blessed is the nation, and we continue, whose God is the Lord. You not only have the favor of a nation, but you have the faith of a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, when you read the Bible, you'll find that the Bible not only speaks of individuals and their relationship to God, but it also speaks of nations and their relationship to God. It not only describes a personal faith, but it also describes a national faith. That is a nation whose God is the Lord. Not a nation who has a God. There are many nations on the face of this earth that have their gods and they have their God. But it's a nation whose God is the Lord. There's the favor of that nation. They're blessed. But there's a reason that nation is blessed. Their God is the Lord. Now what does it mean? When the Bible said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I think two things are implied in that statement, whose God is the Lord. For one thing, it is talking about a nation acknowledging the rule of God. A nation that acknowledges the fact that God is in charge. A nation that acknowledges the fact that God is ruling. Now, the Bible makes it very clear that God rules over the affairs of men. And the Bible makes it very clear that God ruleth over nations. Psalm 22 and verse 28. The Bible said, for the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among nations. When the Bible describes him as the governor, it is another way of saying he is the ruler of nations. God's in charge. Don't you ever worry about that. Amen. He is the ruler. And when you talk about God being the Lord, you're talking about a nation that has recognized the fact that he is the governor, he is a ruler. I think about Daniel 4 and verse 17 and verse 25 and verse 32. And you have it repeated over and over again. The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Daniel saw everything that happened. He saw that God put kings up and he brought kings down. He saw God raise up nations. He saw God bring down nations. And Daniel summarized it all by saying, The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. I want you to understand something tonight. When God, when it's talking about a blessed nation whose God is the Lord, it is a nation that acknowledges the rule of God. But it goes a step farther than that. It's not just that that nation acknowledges that God is the ruler. But it must go a little further than that. They not only acknowledge that God is the ruler, but second of all, they accept God as their ruler. When the Bible said, blessed, oh, how happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's talking about a nation who has not only acknowledged that God is the governor, but they have accepted his authority and they have submitted to his rulership. You see, the blessings of verse 12 
Their source is in both the acknowledging and the accepting of God as the ruler of that nation. Now, you listen to me tonight. I believe that there's one reason. I believe it is the reason. Now, I should not say if there is one reason. It is the reason. If the reason that God has blessed America... And the reason tonight we are celebrating 225 years of independence, in spite of all of our problems and in spite of all of our sins, the reason I believe that our nation has been the kind of nation it has been is because in the very beginning of this country, this nation and its leaders and founders acknowledged the Lord as God and they accepted His rule and reign over this nation. I know we got a lot of this revisionist historic historians and their revision of history. And the reason they're so revising history and this political correct generation, they got to divorce God from everything that happened. They got to take the name of God out of it. They got to take anything out that offends somebody so so. But I want you to listen to me. I don't care who this offends. You can lump it. Bump it, dump it, or jump it. But this nation was founded as a Christian nation, and it is the reason that God has blessed America. And you can't change that. Uh, you may write down the history books, and you may not bring it up in the schools, but you can't deny it that this nation was founded on the fact that leaders in our country and our forefathers, they built this nation on a belief in God, and they accepted His authority in their life. I was reading the other day about the sign of the Declaration of Independence. I've been to Independence Hall. There's a few places in America that kind of just stirs me. I mean, I, like I said Sunday, I'm a very patriotic person, very sentimental, and I get emotional about certain things. There's been two or three places in the United States that just fired me up. I mean, just got me going. The Alamo in San Antonio, Texas, one of those places. I don't know what it was. I have, I'm not from Texas. I'm a Christian. I'm from North Carolina. And uh, but, uh, I... I've never had any personal dealings with that, but whatever. But I went to the Alamo. Frankie Gant carried me over there. And there's something about it. When you start to go on the inside, there's a sign out there that tells men to take their hats off. And it talks about when you walk in about being quiet and whatever. And it has a sign there reminding people that men fought and died on these very grounds for Texas independence. They make you aware when you go on the inside that there's something special about that place. And when I went in, it just kind of stirs you. The Vietnam Wall is a very stirring place and whatever there. But Independence Hall in Philadelphia, there's something about that that blesses me. I mean, I remember a few years ago, when I was coming back, we stopped in there for just a moment. It was closed, didn't get to go in. So when Sherry and I and Tracy was on her vacation, we went into Independence Hall, always wanting to go there. And we went through, took the tour, and you walk into the room. If you go in the front of it, center to the left is the room where they signed the Declaration of Independence. And I remember as we walked through there, and I'll never forget that day, the man, the, the ranger that took us through there, giving us a tour, and he's telling the group about what happened. I'll never forget him telling about how for days they had argued. And how for days there was tension and fighting among the delegates there. And they couldn't come to any agreement on any particular matter. But he'd be, I remember him telling this, how that all of a sudden Ben Franklin stood up. And after weeks of working and arguing over a plan of forming a single nation of separate colonies with his own laws and whatever, nobody could agree. Benjamin Franklin got up and he said this. He said, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And he told about how when Franklin made that statement that they called the delegation into prayer. And they began to pray and to seek the wisdom of God about the matter. And that's what brought them together and gave us our declaration of independence. This nation got started on people that believed in God and people that wanted to serve God and people that wanted to honor God and came to this country for the desire and the freedom to worship God. And in the very beginning, our forefathers, in the very beginning, they not only put God on a coin and not only engraved His name on a building, they acknowledged that He was the God. And they accepted His authority and His rulers. I think about His rule. John Quincy Adams made this statement. He said the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. You listen to this statement. Imagine somebody saying this today. But John Quincy Adams talking about the American Revolution said, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this, that it connected in one dissoluble bond the principles of civil government, civil government with the principles of Christianity. 
You know what he was acknowledging? That the foundations of our freedom was not just in a government, but was in the principles of Christianity. And these two came together. And that's why we're free, Patrick Henry said. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why America will celebrate 225 years of independence tomorrow. It is the faith of a nation whose God is the Lord. But let me give you a third thing. You notice not only the favor of a nation. Are you still with me now? Say amen. And the faith of a nation whose God is the Lord. But I point out one thing that comes out of the text, and that is the folly of a nation. Now, the favor of a nation is blessed is the nation. And the faith of that nation is the nation whose God is the Lord. But that text, just as it indicates that a nation is blessed because it acknowledges the rule of God, and accepts the rule of God, it would also imply that a nation that does not acknowledge the Lord as their God is a nation that will not be blessed of the Lord. Or blessings that are enjoyed by a nation whose God is the Lord is blessings that are not enjoyed by a nation whose God is not the Lord. It is blessings that are restrained and blessings that are removed because the Lord is not the God of that nation. When I think about that, I think of two simple things. Get these, and I'm going to give you these two final things that we'll pray about. One, I think of the direction that America's going. I said a moment ago, say it again. The reason America will celebrate 225 years of independence tomorrow is because it was built on Christianity. I didn't say religion like Patrick Henry said. Not built on religion, but built on Christianity. Leaders that believed in Jesus Christ. Not all of them were Christians, but yet they had a reverence and a fear of God. And it was woven in, all, in, in our country in the Declaration of Independence and everything about the beginning of this nation. And I think about the direction America's going. If there's, listen, as far as this country is concerned, we are going in the opposite direction that our forefathers got this nation started in. I think our forefathers would roll over in their grave if they knew what was going on in America tonight. I think in some way we could resurrect them from the dead and raise them from the dead and take them to Washington, D.C., they would be embarrassed at what that bunch of knotheads are doing up there. Excuse me, I shouldn't have said that. For what our beloved congressmen are doing up there. I think it would embarrass them to where we're going. I think they would blush as they listen to our Supreme Court and the decisions it rolls out. I think they would blush as they hear our politicians arguing, fuss about this and that, and all the time taking away the liberties of Americans. And every day of our life, I think it would disgust them and despair them to see how the name of God and Jesus Christ is being pushed out of our country and silenced in this nation. They started this country with the belief that God built this nation, and they built it upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a direction we're going in. We're going in the opposite direction. You take just the past 25 years of our nation. Go back to 1962. It's like everything began to unravel. Really, it all began to unravel in 1963. And the Supreme Court ruled that secular humanism is a legitimate religion equivalent to Christianity. Our forefathers would have died to even heard that kind of thing. 1977, our Supreme Court ruled that atheism is a religion. In 1962, there was a 22-word prayer. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence on Thee and we beg Thy blessings upon us, our parents and our teachers and our country. It was ruled unconstitutional and it led to the removal of prayer from our public schools. In 1963, the courts ruled that the Bible had to be taken out of the public schools. In 1965, it was ruled that it was unconstitutional for a student to pray aloud. Also, in 1965, it was ruled that the freedom of speech and press is guaranteed to students unless that subject is religious. 
at which such time speech becomes unconstitutional. In 1969, it was ruled unconstitutional that a war memorial be erected in the shape of a cross. In 1976, it was ruled unconstitutional for the Board of Education to use or refer to the word God in any of its official writings. In 1980, the court ruled that if any of the Ten Commandments were posted, that they would have any effect of all, that it would induce the school children to, re to read and to meditate upon and perhaps venerate and obey the commandments, and this was not a permissible objective. I'll tell you the best thing that could ever happen to our public schools and the best thing that ever happened to our nation is once again do what God said in the Ten Commandments. Say amen right in his mind, it was ruled unconstitutional. He could not introduce it. In 1985, it was ruled unconstitutional for a kindergarten class to recite, God is great, God is good, let him thank him for our food. In 1986, it was ruled unconstitutional for a school graduation ceremony to contain an opening or a closing prayer. In 2000 alone, justice refusal at a public school district required the teaching of evolution be accompanied with a disclaimer mentioning uh, creation and what the Bible had to say about creation. In, 19, in 2000, it was Supreme Court ruled and declared that a school that allowed a student to wear, to lead the crowd in a Christian prayer over the loudspeaker before a kickoff was unconstitutional. In 2000, the Supreme Court set aside a ruling that it led a public school in DeKalb, Alabama, lead group prayer at graduations, assemblies, and sports events, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. There is the direction our nation is going. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You want to get on your soapbox and talk about anything you want to, you want to talk about this, you want to talk about humanism, you want to talk about lesbianism and homosexual rights, you want to talk about anything you want to, you go right ahead and nobody will say a word. But let somebody get up and talk about what is morally wrong and what is biblically right and they'll shout you down and call you a right-wing extremist. I want you to understand something. If that's what a right-wing extremist is, I am one and I am proud to be one. Amen? We got a nation where anybody has a right to talk about anything they want to except a Christian. Because of somebody's perverted ideal of a separation of church and state. When our forefathers set this country up, they did not set it up that God could not have a part in government. They set it up that government could not interfere, interfere in the affairs of the church. Not that the church could not influence government. There's a big difference there. But we got a nation now that's going in the direction and this politically correct trend that you can't do anything that'll offend anybody and got one or two little old groups here that they have a right to do anything and they can offend anybody they want to and cram their lifestyles down our throat and we're supposed to be silent and to keep our mouth shut and swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Here's one little old hillbilly that's not going to keep his mouth shut no matter who it offends. Right is right if everybody's against it and wrong and wrong is if everybody's for it. There's some things that are right and there's some things that are wrong. It doesn't matter what is politically correct. It is what is biblically correct that matters. It's the same thing will save our country. But anyway, I got that off my chest tonight on July the 3rd. Amen. That's the direction we're going. But I think last of all, there's the danger we're facing. And I think about the direction we're going, there is the danger we are facing. And that is the danger that what we have enjoyed as a nation we could lose as a nation. I'm not a pessimist, I'm an optimist. And I believe America, the United States of America, would have been sunk and would have gone down the drain a long time ago if it wasn't for people like you that love God and churches like this that preach the Bible and that have prayed God's blessings down in America. She'd been gone a long time ago. But there's the danger we face that God would take his hand off of our country. And for that reason, I think America needs to be prayed for. I think it's worth praying for don't you I think it's worth praying for how do you pray for America realizing the direction we are going and realizing the danger we are facing how should we pray for America let me give you two things to pray for write these down somewhere in the margin of Psalm 33 12 and these are two things we ought to pray for one we ought to pray for a reverence for God by our leaders we ought to pray that our leaders will reverence God. 
You ought to pray that God put some guts into our leaders in Washington. Where they're embarrassed to mention God or talk about God and stand up for what is right, pray that God will save them. That's probably what most of them need. Save and give them a good dose of Holy Ghost salvation, Bible-based salvation, and fill their heart and will shed the love of God shed abroad in their heart so they're not ashamed of God, not ashamed of Jesus Christ, not ashamed of the Bible, not ashamed that their sins are forgiven, and they'll stand up and they'll do what is right, not based on polls, but based on principles. And once again, that our leaders will have a reverence for God. I think about some of the things and quotes I've read by our forefathers. I would fall over if I heard some of our leaders in Washington make those kind of statements today. They won't do it because it's not politically correct to do it. And they don't want to lose their elect seat. They don't want to lose their votes and whatever there. May God give us leaders who consider principles and the Bible and Jesus Christ more important than winning the next election. Amen? Let's pray that God would put a reverence in our leaders for, for him again. That they'll once again recognize, hey, look, the problem in our country is not economics. It's not how to balance a budget. It's not whether we should spend more or raise it 5% or 7% this year or cut it or come up with an income tax in the state of Tennessee or another wheel tax, I'm understanding. And all these things, it's not all these things. Help them realize that God is the reason America's been blessed and only God can salvage America. And once again, they'll turn before God. I ought to pray for that. Second thing you ought to pray for. It's not a reverence of God in our leaders, but a revival from God in our land. Because I really believe this. We need our leaders to turn to God, but if they don't ever turn to God, I'll tell you what can turn America. And that's God once again send revival to America. See, I, I really believe this, and I mean this by my heart. I do not, I want you to understand this, I do not think the answer is legislating morality. I don't think the answer is going up there passing all kinds of laws saying thou shalt not, thou shalt not do this, and whatever like that. I don't believe we can do that. I don't believe that's the answer. Because a person can change the way they live, but if their heart's never been converted, they're deceived and on their way to hell. They're wicked and they're sinners and, and they don't understand it. We cannot change the way America thinks until, first of all, we change the hearts of the American people. And how do you change their hearts? Get them to Jesus Christ. Revival. That is the hope of the land. That is what we ought to pray for. God, help our leaders once again to acknowledge you Help our leaders to reverence you. And God, most of all, send revival to America. Changes. Changes, Lord. Send revival. Wouldn't you like God to send a revival in the United States of America like he did in the 1700s? Wouldn't you like for God to once again send revival to America like he did in 1800? Wouldn't you like for God to send revival to America like he did following the days of the Civil War and even during the days of the Civil War? Some of the greatest revivals ever occurred happened prior to a war or right after a war. Seemingly, God used the wars in our country to bring America to its knees. I was reading not too long ago about the revival in the Confederate armies during the Civil War right down here in Dalton, Georgia, in the uh, Poplar Grove area where the Confederate armies camp, one of the greatest revivals in the Confederate army uh, took place right down there. Hundreds and thousands of them got saved the winter they camped in the Dalton area. Mighty movement of God. Preachers coming in there preaching all over different places and Confederate soldiers getting saved right and left. That's what I'm talking about God. God. God visiting this country again. That's what we need to pray for. Pray for our leaders and pray for revival. Will you do that? Take your prayer sheet tonight. Are you a Christian tonight? And proud of it, say amen. amen. Let's look at this prayer sheet and let's remember these things then we're going to pray. Our missionary of the week is Bobby and Angie Walston serving in Costa Rica with Macedonia World Baptist Missions. We want to lift them up tonight. Our church of the week is Glenfort Baptist Tabernacle in Glenfort, West Virginia. This is where Brother Brian is pastoring. We want to lift them up. And then our hospital is tonight. Pam King is at Erlanger Hospital. She had surgery last week. She has began her chemo. She may have began it today, her treatments for cancer. Shirley Kidwell, she had surgery yesterday. A brain tumor was removed. Uh, she will be having treatments as well. I want to pray for Shirley. Helen Stevens has been moved to Hell South. And then Lois Barnes, she went home this afternoon. 
Irene Touchstone is back from Houston. She is the life care center at East Ridge, uh, but they've requested that she don't have a lot of visitors right now. They've brought her back from Houston. She's still real weak and needs to get a rest, so uh, give her a call, but maybe hold off on the visiting for a few days to get her strength back. Also, Ada's sister, Edna Gravely, I want to remember them. I stopped in, saw them today, prayed with them. I want to remember the family. Lawrence Anderson has been moved to Hell South. Joyce is still at Park Ridge. Ray Abney, this little Ray, Eli's dad, had surgery yesterday. He's doing great. And then Lula Jackson, uh, Miss Jackson, uh, she's had a very, very difficult day. Uh, she's in a room, but she went into seizures. They have had to put her in CCU. She is not doing well. Let's remember Miss Jackson. And then Juanita Warning is back in Huntsville, so let's remember them and be praying for them. Let's come, all of you that will, let's gather around the altar. Let's, let's pray tonight for our church missionary of the week. Let's pray for our church of the week. Pray that God will bless America. And I also want you to pray that God will continue to keep his hand on this place. We come back Sunday. I'm, all, I'm looking forward to what he's going to do Sunday. Amen. But let's just pray the Lord to move in all of these things. All of you that will. Let's pray tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray tonight for the Wastons that are serving the Lord in Costa Rica. We pray for the work of God in Central America. We pray for the work of God in Costa Rica. We pray for the opening of hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the missionaries that are serving there. In particular tonight, we pray for the Wasson family, that you bless them and use them. Open doors for them, soften hearts to the gospel, provide every need for all that they're doing. Use them there, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Bless them in a special way. For Brother Brian, we thank you for him. Bless his church. May the hand of God be upon it. And I pray, Lord, you bless him when he preaches on the Lord's day. I pray, Lord, you bless his church, stir his people about serving God and honoring God. Do wonderful things there in the mountains of West Virginia. If our folk that are in the hospital touch them, some are serious, some are recovering, but meet the needs of all of them. And then, Father, we pray tonight for our country. Our country is worth praying for. And, Father, tonight we love our country. Thank you that tomorrow we'll celebrate 225 years of independence. But, Father, we come tonight, we ask you, Lord, that you touch the leaders of our nation. You tell us to pray for those in authority. So tonight we pray for our president, for our senators, for our representatives, our congressmen, our national level, state level, for all of our politicians and on the, in the city level and all through the county. We thank you for Chattanooga. You've given us some good leaders in this city, and we thank you for it. Bless them. Lord, touch them all the way up. Lord, I pray that our leaders will acknowledge and accept that you are the governor of nations. May they bow to that authority. Lord, do something to turn the direction of this country where that you're no longer pushed out, but this nation will acknowledge that it was built to be a Christian nation. Father, I pray that you would I touch the hearts of our leaders. Bless our president and our leaders tonight. Father, we pray that you send revival to the country. If you don't do anything in Washington, Lord, and churches all across this country, set them on fire. Stir us, Lord. Stir communities. May the presence of God be real in churches and communities all across this nation. If we can't change what goes on in Washington, Lord, may we change the hearts of men by bringing them to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray tonight that you send revival to America. God, send a mighty moving of God to our country. Father, I pray for Temple Baptist that you'll send us revival. Thank you for what you're doing. And we just ask you, God, to keep the hand, your hand upon us. Father, may we pray as we've never prayed before. May we follow you as we've never followed you before. But God, continue to bless here. Thank you for the people of God saved lately. Thank you for the lives that have been changed lately. God, continue to do it. Continue to move here. I pray you'll bless in a very special way. Bless our country. May it be a nation whose God is the Lord. Thank you for our folks. Thank you for their faithfulness to you and the commitment that they're demonstrating to you and their hunger for you. Honor that. 
In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Tell you what I want us to do is a, appreciate the Velasquez family being with us tonight. I trust I'm saying that right. Am I saying it right, Velasquez? Uh, good to have them. You appreciate them being here tonight, do you? I want our ushers to get in the, uh, to, to, to put in an offering plate in all the doors. As you go out tonight, drop something in the offering plate, and uh, let's give them something to show our love for them and our appreciation for them. This is one of our own mission families uh, that we've been able to support for these years. And so as you go out tonight, I want you to drop something in the offering plate. Brother Julio and uh, your wife, I want you to come up here and stand. I want our folks to come by and personally meet you and uh, personally let you know they're praying for you. We take a moment to come by and introduce yourself to them and meet them. And then as you leave, put something in the offering plate. And I know the Lord will bless you for doing that. Let's all stand. How many of you are looking forward to Sunday? Amen. I am. I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I appreciate all he is doing. Amen. I want you faith now. Think about Sunday morning. Uh, we're gonna, I need to know who is going to be in the banquet and kind of get an idea of how many is coming. But it's for anybody. If you're thinking about being a part of faith, if you've already planning being a part of faith, you want to come to the banquet. Uh, if you just want to learn about faith, you're welcome to come. And if you just want to come and eat, we'll feed you. But uh, we pray the Holy Ghost to get a hold of you while you're there. So you, you can come if you want to. But uh, you're dismissed. Come by and shake hands with this fine family. Let them know you appreciate them. <laughs>